You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. We're very glad to have you here listening on this podcast episode. And we are so lucky today to have Carly Palmer. And one of the big questions that we're breaking the silence on is what is the difference between lust and healthy sexuality? And along with that, we'll tie in some other topics that we will want to tackle. So we're so glad you're listening, but here's Carly. She'll go ahead and introduce herself. Tell us about yourself, Carly. So glad to have you here. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I am a developmental psychologist. I just finished a master's degree a couple of years ago in marriage, family, and human development and studied mainly gender and sexuality with an added emphasis on pornography, which is something I know you guys talk about a lot. I am originally from Idaho, a little farming town called Weezer. Like the Good bank. old Weezer. Man, I oh. haven't heard about Weezer in far too long. That's great. <laughs> the fact that you've heard about Weezer at all is hilarious. But I now live in Vermont with my husband and our cat, Maple. I'm 30. We don't have any kids yet, but plan to at some point in the future. And I work as a gender and sexuality researcher and sex educator. So that's me. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, Carly. I'm so excited for our conversation today, especially. And I'm so excited to get your perspective on this difference between lust and healthy sexuality. So let's start there. How would you define lust? Whew, that's a big one to start with. So yeah. <laughs> I don't, lust is selfish. So that's not necessarily a definition, but essentially lust is wanting sex or sexual behavior so badly that you're willing to use other people for sexual gratification. So lust is always, always selfish. It's always at the expense of someone else. As you were saying that, I was kind of thinking like maybe the difference between like lust and love when it comes to our sexuality was probably our motive behind what we're doing. Would you say that's true? Yeah, that's a huge part of it. That's because the arousal, the sexual desire that we experience, that in and of itself isn't bad, which we'll talk about more moving forward. But just the way that we direct that sexual desire or use that sexual desire can be good or bad, depending on our motives and our behaviors. Super interesting. Super interesting. And even like, yeah, like what is driving it maybe? Mm-hmm. Cool. Can you break that down a little bit for us or maybe give us an example? Yeah, sure thing. So sexual desire, just sexual desire by itself is I want to have sex and I experience sexual arousal when presented with sexually relevant stimuli. Like, for example, 
you're kissing someone that you really like, and you're feeling physically aroused, that arousal is both normal and good. There's nothing wrong with that arousal. However, if you start to to use that arousal to lead you to lust, that means I'm going to do something to gratify myself without considering the thoughts or feelings of the other person, the object of lust. I think it's interesting that it's called object of someone's lust because it is essentially making them an object. So if you're experiencing experiencing that arousal while you're kissing someone and then you decide I want to use this person's body for my own pleasure and you touch them in a way or do something in a way that they haven't agreed to and that they don't want to satisfy your own sexual desires. That's lust. Hmm. But lust can also just be our own thoughts. If, if we are aroused by someone, let's say someone that we see on the street, if we see them, they're really attractive and we're sexually aroused. That's normal. But we can direct that arousal to that's a real person with a life and thoughts and goodness. And I'm going to see the divinity in them instead of just thinking of them as a sexual object. Whereas if we look at them and we keep looking at them and have sexual thoughts about them, imagine them doing something sexual or us doing something sexual with them. We're not seeing them as a full person. We're using them for our own gratification. There's no love there. It's all selfish. So that would be lusting. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that definitely goes hand in hand with, I feel like, how we tend to use pornography when it's used. Pornography, of course, is just one person or, I mean, whoever doing sexual things for gratification. And we have no idea what kind of life they live, who they really are, their background, their actual dreams, desires, what even got them there in the first place to be performing in pornography. And that's just using them for sexual gratification. What do you have to say about lust with regard to pornography? Well, I think you explained it really well. The problem with pornography is not that it involves sexual acts. It's not that the sexual acts themselves are wrong. They might be wrong in that context, right? If depending on our moral beliefs, but the problem is that they encourage us to have a sexual experience at the expense of someone else. So the participants in the pornographic material are not as you talked about, they're not being considered. Their thoughts and their lives and their feelings aren't a part of our experience with them were we to view that pornography. So essentially the only use we have for the participants is our own sexual gratification. We're not invested in their lives in any way. And that trains us to take advantage of other people for our own gratification, unfortunately, whereas a loving relationship trains us to consider the feelings and thoughts and experiences of other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've talked before on the podcast about going hand in hand with what you just said, that through pornography, we can learn sexual scripts that miseducate us, teach us 
improperly how to behave in a sexual relationship with someone that is all about us, the selfish part, right? Without regard of the other person. So we don't, we don't want that. To me, that's not healthy sexuality, right? So let's go into that a little bit. Then what is your definition of healthy sexuality? So what's the difference? Yes. Well, my definition of healthy sexuality includes my belief system as well, my faith. But for me, I believe that healthy sexuality is sexual feelings and behaviors in the context of a lifelong loving relationship. A loving relationship, a healthy sexual relationship can have a lot of the excitement and passion and these things that we're drawn to in pornography because they're arousing, those can exist there. But what also has to exist in a healthy sexual relationship is love, concern for the other person, and a willingness to consider their feelings and experience at least on the same level as your own, if not more. So really, the difference between unhealthy sexual relationships or unhealthy sexual behaviors and healthy is in my mind, love, consent, and consideration. Beautiful. I love that. And I love that you have those three points of just considering, right? (laughs) Of really like evaluating where am I at and what is my motive here? And here are three requirements or like three pinpoints that can help guide us. And I'm so sorry, listeners, if you can hear my baby in the background crying, it's because she's going to bed and we just love her. So (laughs) please just be patient with her. Anyway, Carly, I love this idea of, of the love, the consideration and the consent. What does this look like as a single person? Maybe you're not in a relationship yet, or you're hoping to be in a relationship one day. What does this look like during those years? That's a great question. So a lot of that depends on what your personal values are for how you express your sexuality. But for those who are waiting to have sex until they're in a lifelong committed relationship or until they're married, healthy sexuality is a part of your life regardless of your relationship status. We are sexual beings when we're born. It's how our creator made us and it's a good thing. So you can practice those three pillars while you're single in every relationship, not just a romantic or sexual relationship, but including love and consideration and consent in all of your relationships is a good preparation for a future sexual relationship if you do choose to have one in the future. Oh, I really love that. In fact, while you were talking about lust, I kept thinking about how lust like does not honor boundaries and does not honor other people's boundaries. <laughs> and whereas like a healthy sexuality or like a relationship where we have this type of sexuality that you are talking about, is totally honoring everything of the other person and, and is so safe for everyone, which is yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And not only does lust not abide or respect boundaries, lust doesn't 
lust doesn't ask about boundaries. There's there's not even an initial consideration of someone's boundaries, which is one of the really easy ways to identify if you're experiencing lust or love. I really like that you're mentioning that we can practice these pillars, as you're calling them, in a relationship that doesn't have a sexual component to it. If we are practicing the consideration, the love, the consent with all aspects of the relationship, we have that practice. And if that's there, maybe that's also a good reflection of how our partner could be sexually as well, right? Would you agree with that? Is it then good practice in a non-sexual relationship? Yes, definitely. Definitely. You talked about how one of the dangers with viewing pornography is that we learn sexual scripts. We learn to expect certain things in relationships or to think that certain things are normal in a sexual relationship. The flip is also true that when we engage in really healthy and positive and loving relationships, romantic or not, we learn relational scripts. We learn that we want love and consideration and consent to be a part of our relationships. And I love that you mentioned that paying attention to those characteristics in the person that you're dating or that you want to be dating can be really helpful. As you try to figure out what they would be like in a sexual relationship, if you find that they're not very considerate of your feelings or your boundaries outside of a sexual relationship, it's safe to assume that that would carry over. And the opposite is also true. If they're very considerate and very loving, it's safe to assume that that would carry over into the sexual relationship as well. Oh, I really love that. I think that that is so beautifully said and so true, and at least from my experience. And I I think that that's really beautiful because I think one of the ideas that the world has is how could you ever decide to spend your life with someone if you haven't had sex with them? Mm -hmm. Just by what you said, (laughs) by really paying attention to who they are and who they are in all ways. When you kiss, how are they? When you are meeting a stranger, when you like in all situations, you really get to see who someone is and also yourself, right? It's not just like you're interviewing them. It's you too. Like, how are you showing up in that relationship? I love this so much. And along with that, if that's okay, Christelle, just another point is we've talked quite a bit before that, of course, there are ways to gauge, right? If a partner is struggling with pornography use, it's not like we have to just drop the relationship and we're not able to have a very good relationship with this person just because they're struggling with pornography, right? Because what we're saying is that these sexual scripts can or could transfer over, but it's really gauging through all the other experiences that you're having with this relationship, with this partner of yours, all these things that we're talking about, these pillars, if they're doing well in these areas, and if you're willing to help them along with their struggle in pornography in a healthy way, and that's just because we all have things that we need to work on, then that's your choice to make. But that doesn't mean that the partner isn't good or worthy, right? So I love that we're focusing on how do they interact with you in these ways? And there's only red flags if maybe these love, consideration, consent isn't really being hit, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the nice thing about 
being really open and vulnerable about your experience with pornography in a relationship is that these are conversations that you can be having. You don't just have to observe behavior and kind of guess how they'll, they will act in a sexual relationship. These are things that you can talk about. So if you are together with someone who is struggling with pornography or you're struggling with pornography and the person that you're with isn't, you can express fears and worries about this sexual script that we're talking about and then talk together about how you can practice a different sexual script. It doesn't all have to be assumed. It's really beautiful. I also love that because I think this needs to be said all the time. You're not looking for the perfect person as you're dating, right? Like, <laughs> and don't expect yourself to be perfect at love and consideration because guarantee you're going to mess it up. <laughs> Even yourself, yeah. if you don't struggle with pornography, you might have problems with. Totally. Love. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's why, like, so often people say that, like, sex just gets better with time. And, and that's because you're going to grow in all three of those areas with your partner and with yourself. Right. And so I think that's so beautiful because a tons of hope, right? (laughs) I don't have to be perfect now. (laughs) Um, but also like so exciting. It's not boring. It's totally not boring. It's so fun to learn how to connect more and more in those ways. Yeah, it definitely is. And it does get better and better. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. So I'm curious because you kind of brought up this idea of like having conversations with someone, not just like observing behavior, but having conversations. What kind of things should we be talking about, especially as we are like really considering someone as our life partner? Maybe we're engaged or we're about to be engaged or we're like literally about to get married. Like what, what would be some ways to talk about healthy sexuality and sex and pornography that you would recommend? This is such an important question. I recommend that all couples have conversations about sex and sexuality, but that's especially true for those who are seriously considering marriage or are already engaged and are preparing for marriage. So the first thing that I would say is just you should be talking about these things relatively regularly. They don't have to be your topic of conversation at every dinner, but they should be discussed as much as you would discuss any other part of the marriage that you're preparing for. Some of the things that you will want to discuss are expectations for your sexual relationship after marriage. So talk with each other about what you want your sexual relationship to be like, how often you think you might want to have sex, how you'll handle it if you have differences in desire, which you will more than likely have, almost every couple does, what you'll do if sexual problems arise in your relationship, things like that. You can also talk about what might make you feel loved in a relationship, what consent will look like for the two of you in a sexual relationship. And then as far as pornography goes, that's something that I would also discuss regularly at 
every stage of a relationship. I mean, with the exception of, I wouldn't recommend that people talk about it on the first few dates, but if you're in a serious relationship, I think it should be talked about what exposure both of you have had to pornography. If there has been a consistent habit, I would talk about how frequently that person was viewing pornography, what types of pornography they were viewing, what their habit is like now compared to in the past, what things they're doing to work on it, and how you can support and love them in that process. That was a lot to talk about. So good luck, but everyone. So, but so beautiful. Yeah, I hope listeners rewind that, listen to it again, <laughs> write it down. Like That was so beautifully said. And I think you hit like, in, at least in my humble opinion, all of the really important things for you to really discuss. The only thing I would add is just like also talk about your expectations of your wedding night. Like how fast, how far, like all of those things so that you're on the same page. (laughs) Or even if no sex at all in your wedding night, I just saw one of your posts, Carly, that mentioned you don't have to have it on your wedding night. If that's part of the point. (laughs) Yes. So yeah. yeah, I would discuss your expectations for your wedding night and then probably just reel them back a little. I think think those of us that have waited to have sex until we get married, which is a lovely pursuit. And I'm encouraging those of you who are, who are trying to do it. It can be really hard, but those of us who have waited have this idea of what our wedding night will be like when we Mm. finally can have sex and it can be so awesome. Don't get me wrong, but also you're going to be a beginner. So super expect, beginner. Expect <laughs> beginner sex and it will get better and better. Always so good to keep in mind. I love that. So so beautiful. So the one the last thing that we wanted to ask you about and then we want to hear like anything else you want to share with us uh, was so say maybe you've had a habitual experience with pornography or maybe you have cross like your own personal boundaries with sexuality. Is there hope or what is the potential of having healthy sexuality moving forward? Oh, there's always, always so much hope. The human brain is absolutely incredible. Props to our creator. (laughs) But (laughs) I believe that God created us with the capacity for so much goodness and that our capacity for goodness and healthy, good relationships that never goes away. We always have the potential for really beautiful, healthy relationships. And that's true of sexual relationships too. So while a struggle with pornography, especially someone who's viewed pornography habitually or compulsively for an extended period of time, that will impact your view of sexual relationships and how you show up in them. We can't expose ourselves to anything consistently and have it not affect us. So it will have an impact on relationships for sure. That being said, Our brains are incredible because they're changeable and they are ever changing. 
So those negative scripts that you learn for from pornography can be replaced. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, as many of you listening are very aware, but they can be changed. So if this is a struggle that you're currently experiencing, I hope that you believe that a beautiful and fulfilling and loving sexual relationship is possible for you. I also hope you understand that it's it's really going to take some work and it's also going to require a level of openness with the person that you love about this struggle. I don't think that anyone can overcome something like this, not just pornography, but any serious habit or compulsive behavior. We can't overcome it by ourselves. We're we're not built that way. We're built for connection and for love and for vulnerability. And so that's going to be part of the journey. But if it is happy, healthy sex life, it's definitely possible. Yay. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone, and I love that. I love also just your your honesty about like it will take work. And I also, I wanted to add like, even if you haven't struggled with that, it takes a lot of openness and vulnerability and courage patience. <laughs> and patience to create an incredibly wonderful sexual relationship with someone. And it's 100% worth it. And it takes work. Yeah. So yeah, beautifully said, Carly. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Goodness, I could talk about this stuff forever, but I think I'll just say that I want everybody to understand that their sexual nature is a gift from God, that their capacity for sexual arousal and the sexual desire that they experience, those are good, healthy things. They're not things that we need to be ashamed of or afraid of. That's how God made us. And that is good news. We only need to work on how we engage our sexual desire, how we direct it. We don't need to shut it off or be afraid of it or hide it or be ashamed of it. We just need to direct it in the way that aligns with our values, in the way that God has asked us to. But It's not a bad thing. And oftentimes people who struggle with something like pornography, especially, or other sexual habits, there's a lot of shame, not only around that behavior, but also around their sexual desires, their sexuality itself. So I would just encourage you to try and separate those two things, the gift of your sexuality and your sexual nature, your capacity for sexual feelings, and the behaviors that you're engaging in that are negative and not using your sexual desires for good. They're two separate things, but your sexual desires themselves are absolutely a gift. Boom, boom. Beautifully said. So beautifully said. Carly, we are so grateful for you. We're so grateful for what you're doing in the world. And we want to know how our listeners can find you. 
Sure thing. The easiest way to find me is on Instagram. So you can search my name, Carly Palmer Webb, or The Christian Sex Educator, and you can find me there. Perfect. And listeners, go check her out. Give her a follow. She has great content, phenomenal content, honestly. <laughs> I love you. it. <laughs> Sending it to my brother who's engaged right now. So, <laughs> so, so excited about this. And thank you everyone for being patient with my little girl who is teething in the background. And, and thank you, especially Carly. We're so grateful for you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.